Hey, it's Jason Flatland here. You're listening to The Jason Flatland Show, where I'll be sharing everything from sales and webinar tips to improving productivity and reaching your infinite potential. Oh, my God. How you doing? Woo! Uh, shout out Ashley. I saw her earlier on the mic. Uh, connected with her after speaking at Lamar's last event. We're going to connect again, big things. Shout out Andy as well, right there. Yeah, right front center. Connecting. I got a shout out. Let's give it up for, for Lamar and Ronnie. I'm just. I've done a few of these, I've spoken at many of these. And their front stage game is immaculate. The way they run events is crazy good from your perspective, but I've seen the backside of it too, and the chaos that comes with running these things. And they just do the best of the best, the best that I've ever seen. Yep. Whew. All right, so I got 45 minutes to jam. I'm going to do the best I can. I got 15 minutes of questions. I'm not sure if there's a, a pen or a marker or a thing that we can write on over here. If we can, we can figure that one out. If not, we don't have to. It's on the side of the screen. All right, cool. So you don't have to be smart to make hundreds of millions of dollars, by the way. That's the first writer downer, okay? It's important for you to realize that. I'm going to take you through the five key offer or five key components of an offer today that if you do this right, you can make more money than you can ever, ever imagine. If you do this wrong, this is like swimming upstream with weights on your shoulders. Some of you are this close to the breakthrough that will change everything in your life and all you need to do is make one simple adjustment to your offer. Here's a hint. If your offers If your offer is like everybody else's, you're doing it wrong. So we don't want to do that, all right? I'm going to break down for you the best thing I ever made from an offer. It was the year 2015, and I was promoting a product, and it wasn't even my product. How do we make this thing bigger? Um, can we make this fatter, bigger? Like this? All right. All right, good. All right, 2015, I'm selling a product. Now, by the way, what is an offer? An offer is anything you offer up that people can give you money for. Simple as that, okay? So what do I get in exchange for what I give? That's an offer. It doesn't have to be a product or a service. If you have a significant other, at one point in time, you said, here's the product, which is me. Are you buying or are you not buying? Okay? So that's what an offer is. So 2015, we're selling this offer. It's called ASM. ASM stands for Amazing Selling Machine. It was a product on how to start a business on Amazon. We did not invent this product. We did not create this product. We were not even in the physical product space prior to this product existing. We were what's known as an affiliate. An affiliate is essentially something online where if I say, hey, listen, you buy that product through my affiliate link, and if it tracks through, I get the sale, I get 50% commission. So in this particular place, case, the offer was for $5,000 to buy this product. We make 50% of that, so that's a $2,500 take home every time we make a sale happen. And we are not using any of their materials. So whatever they have for marketing, we said, nah, not good enough. Whatever they have for their presentation, their selling, their communication, nah, not good enough. We created our own funnel. 
So there are thousands of affiliates promoting this offer at this given time. So we are one of many people, and we're all fishing in the same pond, and we're all selling the same thing. So first key lesson is if I use the marketing everybody else is using, I'm going to get only as good a results as everybody else can get. If you say the same thing over and over again, does that make the thing more true or not? Most of y'all are just saying the same thing over and over again, hoping that somehow people are going to be like, ah, the 96th time, now I got it, right? So new information, new decision, that's a writer down there for your offer. If they ain't buying for this reason, give them another reason to buy. New information, new decision. So we created our own offer, and our offer was when you buy their thing for $5,000, you get all of our stuff for free. What a good offer. So why I like being an affiliate was because I didn't have to charge you anything more, but I could give you a ton more stuff. It didn't cost you anything. You could go buy direct from the vendor, five grand. Buy direct from me, five grand. You get only this with the vendor, you get all this extra stuff with me. And this extra stuff was incredible. Some of it was, hey, listen, we built this software. You can't purchase it anywhere at any price, but you can get it for free if you buy it from them. This is a writer downer if there ever was one. Make the best thing you have impossible to purchase. But you can get it for free, but you gotta buy this other thing over here. That's what makes it irresistible. You know what people want the most? What they can have the least of. So we simultaneously use exclusivity. It's free, you can't buy it, but you can get it for free if you do X over here. So we had software that did that. We had a service. We said, hey, listen, you need somebody to help you source these products. So we created a company. You can't use this company. You can't pay us, but you can get it for free if you buy this other person's product. And then we did something, we had software, we had service, we had coaching, we had individual coaching. I went to some coaches and said, hey, I'll pay you $300 if you coach my students, because I did the math. If I keep $2,500 of this and I pay out 300, guess what? I still have $2,200. So I'm paying coaches to fulfill on an offer that somebody else created that isn't even mine. And I'm winning, and here's the best part of all, I offered a better than money back guarantee for somebody else's product. I don't even know how to spell guarantee, <laughs> but I know how to offer one. And maybe for the first time in the history of an offer, somebody else made a better than money back guarantee for a product that they didn't even own or create. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that crazy? And that allowed us to get this. This is how much money we made from this promotion. Still a record that stands to this day, right? So in eight days, selling this product, which is not ours, we made $1.8 million, okay? Oh wait, that was second place. We made $9.8 million. That was first place, right? Okay. So we outsold second place by $8 million. $8 million. We, we lapped them. We were so far ahead of second place, they thought they were in first place because they couldn't see us, right? 
It's a record that still stands in the affiliate space these days. I'm trying to get my own affiliates to break it. Hopefully some of you break it, promoting my products, because I would love to pay all of you out $9.8 million. You get a 9.8 million, and you get a 9.8, you get a 9.8 million. I don't know. So I'm trying, so I'm here today to try to help you do things like this in your market. So what we did here was make the offer so good it costs more to not buy it. Make your offer so good that it's expensive, it's more expensive to say no than it is to say yes to. And we're going to break down the five components that we did there and other offers that we've made as well that have been world class and record breaking, and I'm going to give you that game as best as I can in the time that we have here today. Now. If I'm talking about offers, it would be inconsiderate for me not to make an offer to you today, right? I mean, it wouldn't make sense if I didn't. So I do have an offer for you today. And the offer that I have for you today, ironically, is probably the weakest offer that I could make. So I'm teaching you about how to make killer offers. I call it the opportunity of the lifetime. I thought that was pretty clever. Uh, somebody said, you sure that's what you want to call Yeah, whatever, right? I'm not making a strong offer today. Now, all, everybody that's speaking today, tomorrow, and the next is making you an offer, whether they realize it or not. And every time you're talking to anybody, you're making an offer, whether you realize it or not. The offer that I'm making to you today is, is going to be very weak. And I will tell you why in a second, okay? But in order for you to understand the context of what makes a good offer and what doesn't make a good offer, we have to break down its components. The first component is what you get. I just like to call it get for short because, you know, my brain doesn't work that good. So one word, easy, right? So what you get. So this is typically what people think an offer is. It's the least important part of the offer. What people got during that ASM promotion was their course. That was only a small portion. I had over 2,000 people rebuy a product that they already owned just to get my free bonuses. I mean, it's a digital product. You don't need two of them, right? One is good enough. Two doesn't make you twice as rich. So my offer, what they get, is the first component. So what are you going to get from me in 45 minutes? You're going to get as best as I can on a stage here in front of you, speaking off of whatever my demented brain decides to do, because I'm working without a net here. I don't got no slides. This could be great or it could be interesting. Let's put it that way, right? So what you're getting is some ideas. So what I'm trying to offer up to you is some ideas that you can go back at, look at, and say, I can work on this. What I'm really offering to you is the ability for you to grow as an individual. What I'm really offering to you is a war with your limitations you currently have. And that's not a very good offer. I'm trying to get you better at playing poker when a better offer would be we just find really bad people to play poker against. So you don't have to get better and you could get a better result. Okay? So this is why this is not a very good offer here today. But damn it, I'm going to do my best, right? So the second thing is the cost. What you pay in order to get it. So you had to pay a fee in order to be into this room. You, some of you flew across the country to be here. You're staying in a hotel and you're paying for it. So you're paying for a lot. And hopefully the value you get exceeds what you pay in order to get it. But my part is a part of a bigger piece of everything that you get. And so the argument is you're not paying just to see me alone. You get me as, a, as an add-on or as a component of what your offer is. And that could be good, that could be bad. Because the challenge is 
Some of you are at this level in the game. Some of you are starting at this level of the game. Some of you sell digital products. Some of you sell physical products. Some of you sell services. Some of you are selling things that I can't even understand. How am I supposed to give a message that all of you or as many of you as possible can take impact and do that? How do I do that without watering it down or without making sacrifices? It's tough. I lost sleep over it last night. I did. I'm like, okay, if I go high level, I maybe reach these people, but people getting started, maybe I miss them. If I go low level and start, and low doesn't mean a derogatory sense, it just means you're at the start of your game. If I'm trying to teach you the finer points of the art and you don't know how to hold the crayons yet, I'm a bad coach. You're not a bad student. And so this is challenging for me. So we're going to work through it together. We're going to try to figure it out. So the cost is never, by the way, free. When you give stuff away for free is often the most expensive thing you can do for somebody. Free is usually the most expensive option for people because that puts the effort on them. I want it to put the effort on me and the least amount of effort on you. So cost is the second component. Preach. All right? I heard that. I liked it. Third is the bonus. The bonus is everything. I got no bonuses for you today. I, I apologize. I feel really bad about that. There's no incentive to have bonuses if you're not making money first. I can't as easily conjure up bonuses if I'm not reaching into my own pocket out of profit. So, you know, when I spoke at Lamar's event here a couple months ago, uh, we gave everybody a book. That was a bonus. Yeah. It's a $10 Kindle book, right? It's not that great of a bonus, but it's at least something. And so this is interesting because I can't do the things today that I would do if I was making you a proper offer. So a lot of you, and I know this because I've listened to you, and I know of this because I've worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of customers in hundreds, 131 different countries, and they all tend to struggle with the same stuff. They have this issue where if I sell you something, I've somehow harmed you or done you a disservice. And so they sell from the heel. They say, you kind of maybe sort of possibly might want this. And that's a tragedy. And I'm hoping that maybe I can break through today and fix that. Maybe that's the thing that can resonate with you the most. And so what we do is we create the bonuses to make it so irresistible that only an idiot would say no to the offer. And so the bonuses, we'll talk more about that here in a second, but that's how we structure it. The bonuses are the most important thing. So here's what's ironic. Everybody will disagree with me. All these gurus out here will disagree with me, and they'll say, Jason, we show them everything we get, and then we show cost. And I tell them, no, 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 no. You show this much of what you get, then you offer, you tell them where to go to buy it, and then you really show them what they get. And I don't know who's right or wrong. My evidence that maybe I'm right is I got more money than them and I got more success than them. But I don't know who's right or not. It just beats me. So people tend to, tend to move on to this. But here's where it comes from. People are afraid that if I don't show you everything first before I ask for the money, that you'll somehow jump up, run out, and never see me again. That's not true. Most people are going to say no to the best things you offer the very first time you offer them. Why do you suppose that is? They're scared. That's why they say no. And they're not scared of you. They're scared of themselves. They know who they are today, but man, what if you give them another option? Now you create an existential crisis. Oh, shoot, maybe I've been underperforming. I can admit that and pay you money to get better, or I could say, no, everything's good. Pay you no money and stay the same. Most people are going to say no. This is okay. It's not a personal issue. 
They're just going to say no. So let's get the no out of the system. So this is how we structure irresistible offers. We say, here's what you think is 100% of all you're going to get before you can make a decision whether to buy it or not, and then you really find out it was only 10% of what you're going to get, and it wasn't the most valuable 10% even. You know what I'm talking about. And then we deal with risk. Now this is by far the most important part of any offer, if you're going to make a truly world-class offer. That's right. Y'all are selling the dream too much. You got to stop the nightmares first. Yeah, that's right. Y'all are selling the dream too much. We need to stop the nightmares first, right? Hell yeah. So here's what's interesting. Most of us, hopefully, are subject matter experts or we have some sort of position of authority to offer what we offer. And so because we have accomplished something that our audience hasn't been able to accomplish yet, we look through the perspective as the problem already hasn't been solved. So life is nice and peachy for us. I don't have money issues anymore. It's been a long time since I've had them, so it's hard for me to relate to somebody starting out struggling with money. I haven't had any issues of confidence uh, in any given period of time. People say, Jason, are you scared of public speaking? I say, I'm scared of not public speaking because that's where my best customers are, right? Yeah, that's where my best customers are. If I'm not out here, I can't find my best customers. Where are you guys at? I'm looking for you, I'm hunting for you. By the way, why am I here? I am here because I go to where I feel I can be the most useful. That's why I'm here. And so my offer is, and this is the offer to you, this is the challenge, is I'm trying to sell you on yourself. Worst offer you could ever make to somebody. No, I'm serious, right? It's hard work to sell you on yourself. It's the equivalent of I could sell a diet pill in the diet industry or I could, I could teach you how to be a healthier person. Diet pill, healthier person. Hmm. One's this big of an industry, one is this big of an industry, right? So you help because you care and if I have a very limited time of the places I can go and the people that I can help because I have two beautiful children and I take care of them and try to be active in their life as much as possible, I have to sacrifice my time with them to do something in any other capacity in business and I take that very seriously. So I go to where I feel I can have the most impact. Now it's, easier, it's easy for anybody on a stage to pander to an audience and tell them the things that they want to hear and get some cheap applause, but the evidence of proof of why I'm here in front of you today is because I look at where I make millionaires. And I've noticed an interesting phenomenon. Out of all the people that read the book, out of all the people that follow my advice, this community in Atlanta is the people lately that have been the most successful at following it. And that might be why I'm the only white speaker at this event. I don't know. I mean, even at, at events with white people, I'm extra white, just skin color, right? So, so I think I've been received as useful too and get the invitation and I, I believe that I can give it, right? But it's tough, but it's tough. So I know it's hard to sell anybody on themselves, but if I'm gonna sell anybody and have any chance of success, it's here, but we have to remove the risk. So when you're selling to your audience, don't think of everything that they can get. Think of what their biggest excuse is and then render it inert. What's the biggest excuse and then render it inert? 
So we're selling an Amazon course, and people say, Jason, I get it, I buy the course, I screw it up, I can go back to the vendor and I can get my money back, they have a traditional money back guarantee, but that don't make me whole. What if I go buy product, and now I can't sell product? I'm out that money. What you got? What can you say about that? I said, I'll just buy your business from you. I said, what? Yeah, yeah, if you do X, Y, and Z, one, two, and three for me, and you don't succeed at this level, I'll reach into my own pocket, and I'll just buy the damn business for you, because if you can't make it work, I'll make the damn thing work. And they say, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. I've never heard that before. Now they're all confused, because they don't have that, that security blanket to hold on to and coddle anymore. Okay? Most of y'all, your prospects, they have security blankets, and you're allowing them to hold them, stick their thumbs in their mouth, and say, wah, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. We gotta give them no more excuses to stay who they are and then they will change. So we do this with a risk reversal. We show people that it's more expensive not to buy, so where you wanna start in your business is what's the biggest excuse that your audience has that they want to solve and can't solve? How do you remove that as an obstacle? So when I'm teaching people these days on how to start a business, they'll say things like, well, Jason, I don't know how to build a website. Okay, got it. Jason, I don't know how to convert anybody. I don't know the understanding of persuasion in the least bit. Okay, whatever, right? Jason, I don't know how to t uh, drive traffic. I have no proof. I have author no authority. Nobody knows who I am, and I don't got much time. I'm like, really? So you don't have money and time? I don't know how that's even possible. Usually you have a lot of money and no time, or you got no money and a lot of time, but whatever. And they say, Jason, can you help me succeed? And I say, yeah, of course I can. You know how? Because I've created offers that says, how can I help somebody succeed if they are the most miserable, wretched, excuse-free human being who's ever existed? Because if I can make that work, I can make it work anywhere. And that's my attitude. So it starts with the risk. So all y'all are selling the plan to heaven. I'm providing the path out of hell. That's the difference. Last component, scarcity. In basic economics, economics 101, how do they determine the value of something? There's two words, supply and demand, right? The more supply there is of something, the less demand there is for it. The, the less supply of something there is, the more demand there is of it. This is basic economics, but people tend to forget it. They say, oh man, I'll help everybody. Then guess what happens? You help nobody. The hardest pill you'll have to swallow in this business, and this one took me several years to get okay with, is I have to turn my back on four-fifths of my audience so I can help the one-fifth of my audience that will give the most impact. It's tough. Because you know who needs your help the most? I mean, the people that will gladly take everything from you. And no matter how hard you try, they will not change. Those are the... That's right. They're the kind of people that, you know, if, if you got time to meditate, you should meditate for an hour. If you don't got time to meditate, you should meditate for 10 hours, right? The easiest people I can make money for are people that already have too much money. And the hardest person to make money for is the person that doesn't have any money. So, so I start from the top and work my way down. I got this philosophy in business that I think can serve a lot of you a, a very well is I make the rich finance the poor. This is, I'm like a Robin Hood in this scenario, right? So I had a course once upon a time, it was called Genius Webinars, and we sold it originally for $5,000 and we only allowed 63 people in the room because that's how many people could fit in the room. 
And I told the audience before I sold them this thing, I said, I'm going to take this very thing that I'm going to do in person for $5,000, and my plan is to later turn it into a course, just the recordings of it, sell that for $1,500. And then I plan from that, with the same material, write the book that I later wrote called One to Many. Uh, lady asked me, I wish I could recall her name. I was going to the elevator earlier today. She's like, Jason, will you sign my book? I said, absolutely, we'll sign your book. She pulls it out. It's all battle torn. I said, this makes me very happy. And I make $2 and like 25 cents off each book sale. But it doesn't matter because the people that were willing to pay me $5,000 a piece were the people in that room that forced me to create the product so that I, original, uh, that's so I could later then sell it for $10 to everybody else. So different people have different priorities. Different people need help in different capacities. So why would somebody, knowing that I'm going to eventually, a couple years down the line, sell the damn thing for $10, pay me $5,000 to sit in a room with me and do it? Why would somebody do that? To, to somebody make a million dollars a year, waiting even six months to learn some of the secrets I could teach them would cost them so much money, $5,000 is a better deal. Remember what we said earlier? You've got to make something that it costs more money not to buy it. Now, that's not true for 99% of the market. 99% of the market is like, yeah, Jason, you've made like $100 million on webinars, but geez, 20 bucks? That's way too much for me to pay to learn that secret from you. It's like, you can argue with them, and you're, gonna be, you're still not going to get their money, and you're going to be upset afterwards. Teaching geometry to a pig is an easier situation than that, right? So instead, I control supply and demand. I say 63 special souls amongst the 8 billion people that exist in the world will have the luxury of spending two days in a room with me to learn the science of what I'm teaching here. And then people buy that because it's scarce, a lot of demand, little supply, but it's pointed to the right audience. It's pointed to an audience where people know they need this, they've delayed on it, and they have so much money, and the cost of inaction is significantly greater than the investment to hopefully get a return. And so that's why scarcity is so important. The main reason scarcity is so important is because the safest thing anybody can do in the short term is to play small. It's the costliest thing you can do in the long term. But in the short term, think about it. You don't got to enter a credit card in anywhere. You don't got to take control of the goods. You don't have to then do something with the goods. You have zero accountability. So when you sell, what you're really at war with is somebody's inertia. You're at war with their inertia. It's a very hard thing to overcome. Somebody's resistance to do anything other than nothing. An object at rest stays at rest. It's the hardest thing you could ever do is get somebody that's on an off state to turn them to an on state. Okay? When you got a fire, you toss some gasoline on that, boom, huge. When you ain't got a fire and you got two sticks to rub together, Good luck. Hard stuff to do. So we got to have an, an offer so irresistible, even the person most resistant towards it will say yes to it. And by the way, who is the person most resistant towards it? It's the person who needs it the most. So when you're looking at a market and you say, if I can only sell one out of 100 people in this market, who will I sell at the expense of everybody else? This is how I think about it. I think about various different people out there swimming in the sea of life, and some of them are currently drowning. Some of them are just kind of waiting in there, some of them are just chilling, but there's some of them drowning. And I say, who's drowning, who needs saved? And then I throw them a life raft. And they say, no, I don't want it. I want to die. And I say, no, you're going to take this life raft. 
and six or seven hours later, they do. Because I won't give up on them. Because they don't want to change. Because change is scary. So they would rather die staying the same than change. So the offer structure is get cost bonus risk scarcity. So when you go home, I want you to think about what am I giving people right now? How do they understand the value of it? What are bonuses that I can offer that make it ridiculous, that make it unbelievably irresistible? How do I mitigate risk as completely as possible? And then how do I use scarcity? Because scarcity will create the action that otherwise somebody would fall victim to the inaction of. Scarcity is the greatest motivator that's ever existed. And so we have to use it. So the price goes up after a certain period of time. Or a bonus goes away after a certain period of time. Or the experience can only be gotten to a select few individuals who qualify. And you are the ultimate resource for what you have to offer, so you're scarce by nature. I've scoured the world. I've made a scientific process out of this, and I've researched for 40 years now. I have never found anybody exactly like you. And I've interviewed a lot of people. I've never found anybody that's exactly you. It's hard, because you're not even showing up exactly as who you really are. So my offer is not to make you somebody you're not, have you show up with more of who you already are. And that's what I'm trying to sell you on today. That's my offer to you. Now I'm giving you some hints, I'm dropping some clues, I'm giving you some game, I'm giving you some knowledge. Now, I have some other notes that I make, because this is how I present these things. I sit in, in the room in the morning, and I walk around and I talk to the people, and I start to feel like I can channel things. And maybe I'm delusional, but maybe I'm not. I don't know. And I say, what does this audience need? Not the Instagram audience, not the recording of this, not the story later, not the millions of people out there, this specific audience, because there will never be another time and place in history and space other than this shared moment that we have here together. Okay. So I take these, these general bits of knowledge that I know, and I can do some down. And I say, huh, what do people need right now that they're not getting in this very room? And I look at this, and I think, and I obsess, and I read, and I refactor. So I'm back there in the, in the green room. I'm making these notes, and I'm writing these things down. And I'm talking with Lamar and Ronnie. And then I'm like, hold on a second. got to write this other thing down. i got to write this other thing down. And if I could leave you with anything, I want to leave you with this in the 13 minutes that we have left. Where you are today is only the start of where you could be in the near future. So let me break down the first offer to you that I ever made. Year is 2007, November of 2007. I remember the date very fondly because, you know, back in the day you would take your first dollar and you would frame it and you'd put it up on the wall, my first dollar in business. I sold it off PayPal, so I got to print it out, take the PayPal receipt and frame that on the wall, right? It was November of 2007, okay? By the way, prior to that, I had made some sales with an offer, but believe it or not, the demand for a CD in 2005 from a white Hare Krishna rapper, very low demand for that thing. <laughs> from Iowa, right? Ain't no market for that. I'm solving a problem nobody wants. You laugh, but some of you all making this mistake. You got to run it back when you get back. Did I create a solution then go looking for a problem? If I did, I screwed up. Instead, we got to find the problem and then find a solution for the problem. But November 2007, so I got into the music business, and then when I, I was not working at it very successfully, that's when I started studying. 
well, what makes people buy things? And then I learned selling entertainment is very hard. Solving people's problems, infinitely easier. More rewarding, too, by the way. So I got hooked on this idea of maybe I can help them solve people's problems. And so I ran out of money. I was broke. I was back. I was writing articles for other marketers, and they were putting their names on them. I was a ghostwriter. And I developed this little system, the system where I could write articles fast on any topic, uh, microdermabrasion, buckwheat pillows, plus-size lingeries. Those were just some of the many different topics that I was writing for other people. Making okay money, not great, but not bad, and at least paying the bills. And that's when I got the nerve to offer up my first information product that I ever sold, which was how to write an article in seven minutes or less. And that's what I came up with. Now, I didn't know what I was doing, but I, at that point in time, I didn't care. I had to get it out of me. So the first offer that I ever made in November of 2007, I was selling an ebook. It was six pages long. You could read it in about 10 minutes. And the price point for it was $4. And why did I sell it at $4, six pages long, November 2007? Day my life changed forever. Why did I sell that this way? I'll tell you why. Because I was scared. That's why. And I tell you this, it's okay to be scared. So a close I often use when I'm selling is this. It's like, let's just put fear in the passenger seat. It doesn't have to drive anymore, okay? We ain't going to get rid of fear. This whole feel the fear and do it anyway, right? Good luck with that, right? We just say, fear, you can come along for the ride. Put your damn seatbelt on. I'm going to drive for a little bit. And that's what I did. And I was scared out of my mind. You know, what's the excuse? What if people buy my thing and don't like it? The antidote to that is four measly dollars. Who cares? What if I work so hard at this thing and spend so much time and effort and I can't make the thing work? It's six pages. Come on, son, that's not that long. So I started at $4. He's like, well, you got to have a sales letter to sell the thing. I don't know how to write one of those things. So my pitch basically went this. I said, I think I can cut down your article writing time in half the first time you go through my product. It's only six pages long, so it won't take that long to go through my product. It's four measly dollars, and even if you think that's a lot of money, I'll give it back to you if you don't like it. Go here and buy the damn thing. That was the pitch. That's all it took. And people bought it. A lot of people bought it. A couple thousand people bought it. And I thought I discovered the secret to life. Because I made like six grand in two weeks out of thin air. I thought, wow. So I just did that for 13 months, over and over again. So these cheap little products. I go out and say, what's one problem everybody's complaining about? And they won't shut up about it. They keep bitching and moaning about it. But the problem is so small, nobody else is willing to solve it for them. Because I'll go where they won't go, right? I'll statue of liberty that. I'll give me your poor, give me your huddled masses, give me your cold, give me your sick, right? That was my attitude. And I started working away at it, started chipping away at it, started learning a thing or two, started helping a soul or two. And I just discovered what I was selling back then was the easiest thing ever. I was selling time. If you spent 20 uh, hours a week writing articles and I saved you 10 hours a week, you got to make less than $4 every 10 hours you work for that to be a bad deal. You feel what I'm saying? you got to be making money that quarter a week to not realize the gain on that. What I learned back then, and it took me a couple years to really internalize it, was some of y'all sell things and you want to talk about, hey, let's go back in time. Let me first explain to you how the will was invented. That's how you contextualize your offer. Nobody cares, right? 
when we sold the ASM offer, we spent this amount of time on their product, and we spent this amount of time on all the bonuses, all the risk reversal, the scarcity, all the value, all the excuses, all the limitations. When I sell, the least important thing that I do is talk about what they buy. Nobody cares about what they buy. They care about what? The transformation. So I sell information, I realize not all of you do, but when I sell information, what I say is it's not information, it's transformation. If I inform but don't transform, I have deserved you. I have not helped you. So I want to give you the least amount of information possible in order to give you the greatest amount of change possible. You know, if a doctor said, here's a prescription medication, you say, well, hold on a second, I'm a smart marketer. I went to this conference and I learned a lot about marketing. Let me tell you something. Give them 10 times the amount of prescription medication because it'll work 10 times better than. It will kill the patient. You can't do it that way. You gotta, will, you gotta whittle it down. You gotta say, hey, listen, okay? What's the minimum amount of information I can give you to have the maximum amount of transformation? Whatever you sell, think about how can I give less of it and have more impact? How can I remove things and make it better? Subtraction before addition. So the first thing we ever do when creating an offer, we say, how can we remove everything that's unessential to this? And then how can we communicate it in a way that instantaneously somebody says, I want that. I want that. Okay? Give it to me. And I want them to feel like there's no possible way I can afford it, but I still want it. And then I play with them a little. Of course you can. And then I find out that, yeah, actually you can afford it. But I kind of want to keep them in that state of being. That there's no way I could possibly afford this because it's too good. It's too good for me. And then miraculously, it's also affordable. But we got to start with, I want that. So if you start breaking out the dictionaries, talking about the 172 different things that your product does for somebody, they don't say, I want that. They say, get the hell away from me. They don't want it, even if it's the greatest thing for them. If somebody's dying, drowning, and you can save them, and you explain, well, here's how the rope was invented. Let me tell you the story first, right? They die before you throw them the life raft. So a lot of y'all are over-explaining what you do. If we had to break it down, give me three reasons why this thing would be the best thing for somebody to purchase if they were your ideal audience. I want three sentences, no more, no less. Once you get the three sentences, you can expand them to your heart's content. You can add to them. You can do stuff with them. But I want three things. If you could only sell me on your offer with three sentences, what would those three sentences be? I don't want to hear it until you got those. Once you got those, get back to me. Then we can work magic. One of my best friends that I've gotten the pleasure to know is a gentleman named Andre Norman. He's also here in Atlanta. Have anybody ever heard of Andre? Yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy. I love that guy so much. And uh, Andre one day, because he knows I've been a hip-hop fan since I was like six years old, he's like, yeah, well, I'm in Yonkers. He's like, I got Jada Kiss. I'm in the studio with him. He wants to talk to you. I'm like, nice, awesome. Oh, hell yeah. He's like, he, I tell him about this, this campaign you did. So the culmination of all these secrets that I'm teaching you uh, during COVID, during the worst period of my life, in my adult life, for personal tragedies and things that I was suffering through, um, the, the good stroke of luck is God's like, let me balance this out for you a little bit. And he opened up an opportunity for me that was better than any opportunity I've ever seen before. And we're running this offer, and the offer ends up doing $57.9 million in 226 days. 50, that's a lot of money, right? It's so much money that sometimes I say $57 million because I, I can't be bothered to say the 0.9, right? I want you to round down almost a million dollars for the sake of simplicity because it's a lot of money at that point in time. 57, 57.9, yeah, whatever, right? 
226 days, and this went from idea to execution. I took a meeting on Zoom 226 days later in a product and in a market that I knew nothing about, 57.9. So Andre's telling Jada this, and Jada says, I, I, wanna, I wanna make money like that, let, let me talk to him. So I get on this call with Jada thinking Jada's got some sort of plan or some sort of idea, right? So I'm like, all right, let's go to work. So I get on, he goes, I'm like, what you got? He goes, I just wanna make money like that. <laughs> okay, good. So I'm like, what do I gotta do? So this is what I said to Jada Kiss. I said, Jada, I want you to picture this scenario. I want, to, I want you to think about you're in front of an audience with a million people there, and you only have 60 seconds. What are you gonna bless them with in 60 seconds? You can only speak to them for 60 seconds. What would you say to those millions of people or a million people to have the most impact, the most change? What would that be? I said, you won't know the answer today. I said, sleep on it, think about it. If you come up with it, get back to me. Maybe we can do something together. Because until you have that, it's all moot. So what would you say to your market if you only had 60 seconds and you were either gonna change their life or you were gonna lose them? That's where you channel your offer. Then we build upon it. Then we figure out how to make it attractive. Then we figure out what points to be scarce. Then we think about what else can we do to this thing? How can we make it more visually appealing? How can we make it so people realize that it's more expensive not to buy it than it is to buy it? That sort of stuff, okay? Last two minutes that I have with you here before we open up for questions. I want you to tell it goes back even further than that $4 offer, right? I'm telling you, you will not believe what you can accomplish in 10 years if you set your mind to it. Because I came from $4 eBooks to $57 million launches, right? But it goes back even farther than that. When I was growing up, a lot of trauma in my life, a lot of trauma in my parents' life. It tends to happen over and over again. There's a lot of trauma in your prospect's life, and you should be the catalyst that ends the cycle. But for me, the trauma that I had from my parents led to drug addiction, mother smoking crystal meth to the point where it just became commonplace. I know the smell of it, I've seen the foils, I still sometimes close my eyes and I can see these visions. And I remember one day, you wanna talk about a killer offer, she had this short little Mexican guy that came up from Mexico and he would front her all this crystal meth, she'd go out there and sell it and she would kick it back to him. Uh, she later got arrested, went to prison for six years and that's kind of why I became a monk. You don't say, life is good, let me become a monk. You say, my life sucks, I need God. Because God's got the ultimate offer, right? The problem with her supplier, her plug they call it nowadays, I wish we came up with that cool slang back then, he couldn't get any weed. And I had the, I had the connect for the weed. So he would go downstairs, front her the crystal, and then she'd send him upstairs and say, buy weed from my son. And because he couldn't find it anywhere else, scarcity, I had the offer, the thing he wanted that he couldn't get anywhere else, right? I'm charging him a quarter pound, he's buying quarter pounds for me, but I'm charging him by the eighth. I said, here's what an eighth is, times this by this many quarter pounds, he was buying it straight up. He didn't care, because the offer was so good to him. It was irresistible, right? I, I've never told that story before in my life, right? Might never tell it again, but in the few seconds I have with you, I want to impress upon you the following. It doesn't matter where you start, because here's a fact about you that you need to understand. I don't care what your tragedy is. I do care on a personal level, but on a professional level, your adversity will become your alchemy if you let it, if you let it. Because here's the fact that I know about you, so this is me selling you on you. This is my offer. This is my pitch to you. This is what I'm offering you here today. Here's what I know to be true. You come from the unlimited. You come from the infinite. So within you is infinite potential. So if you go to bat for your audience, what could you accomplish in 10, for, 10 years for them? What could you create that is 
unmatchable to anyone anywhere else, to be the most you you can be, to help the most other people that you can help. That is my pitch to you today. That is my offer. Hopefully it's well received. Right there. Yeah. Hey, Jason. Uh, thank you for your comments today. My name is Ramon, publisher of zoneofgenius.com and of Celebrity CEO. Can you talk about the differences or similarities between those of us who build landing pages and sell products online, landing pages, not webinars, you don't want to yep. have the tonality and things of yep. that nature. How does that work? Yeah, it's the same way that it all works. So the idea is what's the end goal of your landing page? Not rhetorical. What is the end goal of it? End goal of the landing page is I'm doing a big event in New York City, and I want to get 400 people to buy tickets for $549, uh, an incredible offer with Seth Godin. That's what I'm doing. Well, there you go, right? So you're hopefully you're leading with that as an angle of Seth, right? Okay. So if your goal is to convert this many people on this landing page, then that's, that's the uh, objective. And if it's 400, you have scarcity built right in there. Gotcha. The real question you got to ask is, is it's the right tool for the job? Oftentimes, and, and I'm known as the webinar guy, webinars are a byproduct of other things that I do. It's a tool in the toolkit. Usually to make these things work, you've got to bring several different campaigns. What's the price point of the ticket? 549 oh, for the well, lowest ticket. Yeah, lowest ticket. So you've got to calibrate to here's how much revenue this can generate for me, but usually it's multiple different campaigns. Correct. That's how you would want to approach that. Awesome. Does that make sense? It makes sense. All right, good. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, don't have just one tool in your toolkit is the conclusion on this. Get one tool at first and then add to the kit. Sir. Jason Wilmoreland, founder of Genius Speakers Academy. We help entrepreneurs use the microphone to add revenue to their business. Question, if you were doing a project with Andre Norman, <laughs> y'all were going to do a project, a, uh, uh, a summit or something, what would you call it? Knowing Andre's skill set, what would you call it? Yeah. Are you working with Andre? I am. Have a call with him okay. tonight. Perfect. Yeah. He's in New York right now. He so is. Yeah. So by the way, I heard genius over there. I heard genius over here, right? I'm getting a little nervous. Lots of geniuses in the room. Okay. So first of all, hopefully you help Andre, because I've been trying to sell Andre for years on making more money. Right. Uh, a little lesson for all of you. Here's what really got Andre going is he had a TikTok go viral that did like 17 million exactly. on somebody else's TikTok, right? Exactly. I'm like, good. Now you realize, now some pain, you're going to want to do something about this, right? Who's your target audience? Uh, so we're mapping that out right now. Uh, it's me and Andre, a couple other people. So we're mapping it out right now. It's going to be about 73 people in the room. We're going to do it at Genius Network in oh, Phoenix. Cool. Yep. So we're now just honing in on it. Yeah, so you can't answer the question until you tell me who your target market is. So get very clear on that, and then you can figure it out, okay? Gotcha. Yeah, now just a little bit of thing, think, something for you to think about is, again, it goes back to who are the richest people that take the least amount of effort to convince that this is for them? And then can I reach them, right? Because that's where we start. If somebody's got a pile of money, it's easier to get it from them than if they don't. Right over here. Hi, Jason. I'm a fan. Thank you. My name is Gabrielle Allen. I am the founder of Shade Studio Academy, where we teach hairstylist skills to make them more profitable. So my question is, you said earlier that uh, you have to make it more expensive not to buy. And currently, I'm working on my offer. Could you give me some examples yeah. of that? I use their bonuses, by the way, and they work. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so for your, you're teaching essentially hairstylists how to grow their business. Is that? Yes. So this particular offer is an extension class for $2,500. Yep. And I'm just trying to beef the offer up to make it irresistible. That's a, okay, perfect. So I'll give you something that I did once upon a time from the stage, but it works anywhere else. Is I had a whole room of people, 
and we were selling an e-com product. And I say, if you need this, if you've known you need an e-commerce website for more than six months, stand up. And I said, if you need more for than 12 months, stand up, okay? Anybody else that has been walking around knowing they need this for more than 12 months, stay standing, everybody else sit down. And then I told everybody in that room, I said, if you're standing, you need to go buy my thing, so go there and buy it right now. And they just all went back there and bought it. And then everybody, really, it's true. Everybody else sitting down, I said, well, we gotta figure out if you should buy it or not, right? And we had that conversation. So you don't get the visual in this instance, perhaps, but you go and you say, if there's anybody that needs this product, who would it be? Uh, out of how many people can you reach, would you say? Um, my webinars usually have between, I don't know, 50 to 100 people on each one, so. Right, so let's just say over a period of time, your universe of audiences you can touch, let's say it's 1,000 people, would that be fair? Yeah. Okay, so I'd say, and how many would you like to sell? How many would I like to sell? Yeah, I mean, besides all of them, right? I mean, yeah. like, what's, what's a realistic goal for you to achieve that you'd be happy with? Um, about 50. And like what's the right price now? point? 2,500. Okay, so I'd say, who are the 50 souls out of everybody I could reach that I could create an offer perfectly for them? Because here's why people don't buy. They don't know you're selling the thing. So you gotta create the offer so clear that it's a magnet towards them. So your communication, like I said earlier, like if you've known you've needed this for more than 12 months, you gotta buy this because you've known by this point you've lost too much money. So think about the audience. Who's in, who would need it the most and how can you tailor the communication to specifically call them out? And then can you do that in a way where once you get the low-hanging fruit, then you can reach up and get the other fruit? So who are the 50 people, if you could put them all in a room and categorize them exactly as a specific type that you could communicate directly to, who would they be and what would you say different to them compared to everybody else, even your other customers? Okay. Does that make thank sense? You. Yep. Right. Thank you. Yep, thank you so You're much. Welcome. Yep. Thank you, Jason. I'm Lisa Ely with HR for Profit, and we show small businesses how to eliminate pain and profit from hiring and scaling with their people. Cool. My question for you is, you did the ASM affiliate several years ago and broke a record. So if you ran that play today, what would you do differently? Mm. Great question, thank you for asking it, okay? So when we broke that record, we did something that nobody really does and I haven't done since, is these launches, they have a cart close expiration date, which at the time I still lived in Iowa, ended up being 1.59 a.m. Central Time, right? So we stayed on with our audience for seven hours up until the cart closed. Yeah, okay, yeah. And it, by the way, I got this thing, this is a writer down there, you can't say you care about your audience and then give up on them. You just can't do that, right? So you either care and you stay or you don't care and you leave. Leaving's okay, but you can't say you care, right? So we demonstrated we care by staying with them seven hours up until the last second when car closed. Now here's what I would have done different. It's 2.01, I call my business partner Will, and for nine minutes we say, oh my God, can you believe this? Look at the numbers, we've never seen anything like this. And then the next 50 minutes we spent, here's what could have been better, here's what we did wrong, here's what we did, right? And then I'm watching the last dance one day, right? And I'm like, holy shit, I'm Michael Jordan, right? I'm setting records and I'm miserable still, and I'm bitter and I'm angry, because I could always be better. So what I would have done different, and this is what I urge you, is if you can get there with kindness and compassion, you'll end up going further and it will feel better. So what I attempt to do now is to do it in such a way where I measure myself based on where I was yesterday, not on where I could be tomorrow. That's the lesson. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hello, Jason. I'm Dr. Tracy, a board-certified general surgeon and America's burn surgeon. I'm the CEO. Thank you. I'm the CEO of the Traumatic Skin Institute, where I help people who suffer from traumatic skin disorders find hope and relief in the skin that they live in. And so my question to you is, as a surgeon, I essentially am doing a webinar every time I see a patient, because I have to try to sell them on the fact that I can offer them something better. Yep. And I think the thing that you said that hit home is I'm typically trying to pave the path to heaven when they really just want to get out of hell. Yep. And so I guess the question becomes is how do I transition what I normally do on a one-to-one -one in a webinar fashion when the road from hell involves things of uh, people who are tired of smelling musty, people who want to feel confident that they're not leaving drainage in their clothes yep. and want to be intimate but don't. But that's kind of hard to do on a public forum. Yep. But how can I turn that into a webinar? I'm glad you brought that up. A webinar might not be the, the appropriate vehicle for it, but I'll give you the messaging anyway. So then whatever it ends up being, this will be useful to you. You have to address the uncomfortableness of what you're talking about before you talk about it. So when you're communicating with them in this particular instance, you will bring up, and I did this in my presentation here today, um, the uncomfortableness of here's what we're going to have to get into and here's why it's going to be tough for you to understand this and accept this or here's some of the, the, the inadequacies you may feel as we go through this. And I realize that this is a very sensitive, very delicate subject that is not lost on me. But my challenge is if I don't bring it up, then I can't connect with you and I can't help you. So forgive me if I run the risk of potentially offending you, if it means that maybe I can also help you. You feel that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so just set it up that way. We, what we do is we, we try to deny the truth or try to downplay it when I'm trying to lean more into it. So if my product's expensive, I don't pretend it is, and I say, hell right. It, it absolutely is expensive, and it's worth every penny, too. That kind of stuff. Yes. Hi, Jason. Uh, excellent presentation. My name is Cameo Roberson, and I run a fractional COO agency. Six- and seven-figure service-based entrepreneurs pay me to rescue them <laughs> from their operational chaos and be prepared for next-level growth. My question has to do with, you mentioned the people who need us the most are the ones who take everything we have and not change. Yeah. So as we think about the individuals we work with, how do you determine who those people are? That is a great question. The, the, my favorite way is putting an offer in front of somebody and saying, pay me money, and then seeing who does and who doesn't, right? I'm, and, and, and that's a simplified version of a deeper answer is, I learned early on that it should not be my job to decide how you spend your money. And I have shortchanged so many people because I didn't give them the opportunity to buy from me when they wanted to buy from me because I thought I knew better than them on how they should spend their money, okay? The problem is when we, we approach it the other way, then anybody and everybody is like, sure, okay, you're offering, I'll take it, as they should. That would be weird for them not to take advantage of somebody who leaves themselves vulnerable and just pretends that the world is gonna be okay. Like, and not protect your own boundaries. Like, this is an emotional issue more than it is a business issue. It's an issue of boundaries. And so we create the boundaries in which is acceptable for us to engage with clients. And if the clients aren't willing to engage within those boundaries, we don't take them on as clients. If we can't get enough clients, then we realize the problem is we're serving the wrong market. Mm -hmm. Because good clients will respect your, your boundaries and they will thrive and do better with those boundaries, not unlike our children. So that's how you do it. Thank you. You're welcome. And we should have just done this for the whole time, right? 
Hi, Jason. My name is Tony Harris-Taylor. They call me the networking queen. Oh. Introverts pay me yeah, yeah. to help them to get comfortable with networking so that they can turn their contacts into contracts. Okay. First, I want to say thank you for giving us the book at Mastermind in March. I consumed your entire video, that whole webinar, for five hours, <laughs> and I turned around slide by slide and made $30,000 from your website. My question is, Lamar has taught me when you re register people for a webinar to offer them a VIP upgrade. Yep. So my twofold question is, what price point is good for a VIP upgrade and how do you know what bonuses to give for the upgrade mm. versus the offer? That's a great question. So um, I typically don't do VIP upgrades, but I'll caveat that. Um, the better you get at this, the longer you should go between the, the offer in the close. What I mean by that is we serve first, we sell second. The longer you can go once you know what you're doing, the better, because it creates tension. And from that tension, that's where you can create change. So I typically don't do that. Now, sometimes you'll want to do that, especially if you're doing paid traffic and it makes sense. Uh, so I have a lot of clients who do that. 17 to 37 is generally the price, plane, uh, price range you want to fall within. The mistake people make is they think the bonuses have to be relevant to what you're offering. They don't have to be, okay? Mm. So, yeah, mm. at all. In fact, it's better if they're not, right? So, you know, Sports Illustrated back in the day used to run an offer where if you bought a subscription, you got a, a clock for free, like a football clock. You guys know what that's about, right? Yeah, the football clock? Yeah. Football has nothing to do with Sports Illustrated, right? right. Women in swimsuits have nothing to do with Sports Illustrated, right? Wells Fargo used to give you a shotgun if you opened up an account at their bank. Shotgun is better for robbing the bank than it is for creating the account, right? So the bonuses have, don't have anything to do with the offer. If they're, if they're, people say, I want that, and that's exciting, that's all we want to do, as long as it doesn't contradict the offer or create confusion. So that's where you want to look at for bonuses. Don't think that you have to be limited to, well, let's just give them more of the same or similar different variations. So that's Thank a good you. one. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you for telling me about the success. Hey, Jason Flyland here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful at all, please leave me a review. And thanks again and stay tuned for future episodes.